When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Fire up the rumor mill. Hello and welcome to episode 42 of this season's Real Football Cast. As always, I'm your host Dan Tracy and this week our attention turns to more off-pitch matters. That's right, it's all hands to the pump as we get our rumour mill back into action. All the gossip from the past week will be discussed as we look at the definite, maybes, hopefuls and downright awful transfer headlines from the past seven days. More importantly though, we once again have a full house and that means leading the line this week and wearing the captain's armband is Carl. So Carl, how have you been since we last spoke? Yeah, really good Dan, really good. Um, you know, everything's heading a bit closer now and that, so you know, getting a bit more excitement um, coming, so very good and looking forward to having another chat with you guys. Top man. Of course, I cannot forget your strike partner. That means the supply line will be coming from Drew. Drew, how have you been this past week? I have been doing fantastic. Honestly, I think I'm going to have a heart attack because of the amount of running I've been doing in my house in circles, screaming happily about Chelsea signing Timo Werner. So I'm doing fantastic, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it later. Happy to be back with you guys. Well, we're going to talk about it in a minute, so hold those thoughts just for now. Before we do, let's do the social media bits first, otherwise we'll be talking into the abyss once more. So first, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. That's on Twitter, at StanTracy983. Also, the podcast has its own account, which is at RealFootballPod. If you want to become a shareholder, all you need to do is follow and join our very elite members club. You can find me via iTunes by searching for Real Football Cast. If you use that platform, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Also, if you like us, leave a review so we move up the league table. And if you're not a fan of all things Apple, you can find me on SoundCloud and Audioboom. While the easiest way to find all the links is by going to realfootballcast.com. And a big shout to our content partners at lastwordonfootball.com. Be sure to check out the excellent written work that Drew does and some of the work that I do after you've listened to this show. Right, it's time to go live. And where should we go first? Well, quite simply, we're going to get knee-deep in transfers. If you don't like transfers, you may as well switch off because that's all we've got on this show. Now, Cole, I usually start with you, but I think Drew, as he's just alluded to, is bursting with joy regarding Timo Werner. So do you mind if I start with him this week? 
Unfortunately, I, I wish he wasn't on this one. But, yeah, let, let him get it all out. Let him get it all out. Okay, thank you. Drew, the floor is yours. This, I think, is the deal of the decade. And we're only in 2020, and I am oh, wow. comfortable saying that. Yes, absolutely. Timo Werner to Chelsea, I think, is a phenomenal deal, which I didn't even expect. I did not think it was going to happen. It didn't seem as if Chelsea was going to drop the money on him with the amount of players they already have in attacking positions. But since he's coming, I could not be more thrilled for this. Simply put, Timo Werner is a world-class player. And he's 24 years old, so he's about to hit his prime. He's lightning quick. He's great on the counter. He can link up play. This is absolutely phenomenal. Timo Werner right now has the same amount of total goal contributions as Robert Lewandowski. In the Bundesliga, tied at 33. Goals goals and assists per game, Timo Werner is averaging 1.21. That puts him second in the Bundesliga. If he was in the Premier League with that same number, he would be second to Sergio Aguero. How much behind? One one-hundredth of a point. So if, if Lewandowski and Aguero are world-class, some of the best strikers in the world, then so is Timo Werner because statistically he is right there with him, with them. I think he's going to link up very well with Tammy Abraham. You can see Hakeem Zayek either playing behind them as a number 10, or he can go wide right, Werner left, and Tammy Abraham up front in the middle. This is absolutely phenomenal. I love everything about this deal. And I think this gives Chelsea legitimate chance of winning the Premier League next year. I it's going to be very, very tough. Don't get me wrong. Liverpool's still a good team, and so is Manchester City. And I think this gives them a huge boost when it comes to the Champions League as well. So I am flying high with this transfer and love everything about it. Wow, what praise indeed. So, Cole, Chelsea is known, unfortunately, as the graveyard of world-class number nines. Can Timo buck this trend and be the genuine forward that the club have been crying out now for a while? Yeah, I think they've signed a really good player here. Um, and to be honest, very, very jealous because, you know, what what player he kind of looks, isn't he, after the last season or so. Um, I don't think you'll see him flop possibly the way others have. I think, you know, they've come a little bit maybe later in their career, you know, with kind of injuries and stuff like that. He's come in, as Drew's just said there, in his peak um, and about to hit his peak. The one good thing as well, I sort of think that, you know, you've, he's playing in a league that I think is probably the, the closest in terms of physicality and the way the game's played to the Premier League. Um, so I think that will mean there shouldn't be such a big bedding-in process for him. Um, I, I think they've signed a really good player here. And when you put that, you know, with the other transfer they've done, you know, then... Yeah, I, I am sitting here at the moment feeling very jealous because I, I would agree with Drew. I think Chelsea have putting themselves in a great position to possibly next season be up there fighting for, or at least within a title race, right till the last couple of weeks if need be. And with his sort of goals, they've given themselves a shout in all the other competitions they're in. So great business. Um, and you just got to give them a pat on the back and say, well, fair dues, you've done well there. Yeah, I think with that signing, once it gets over the line, that makes Chelsea a legit top two, top three team for next season. And also, Drew, you mentioned Tammy Abraham. The fact that Werner will be arriving, that just takes a little strain off his shoulders and also just fires up Chelsea a little bit more. We spoke last night, myself and Carl and a couple of others, about how Tottenham are perhaps held back by having just one world-class forward. And because of that, they can't really ever win a Premier League. You look at other teams that won Premier Leagues, they've always got another option. Chelsea now look like they have that plan B if they need it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's the part that I think is so great. You you touched on it uh, initially in that Tammy Abraham, this kind of takes the weight off of his shoulders, right? Because surrounding him so far this year has been other young players, Mason Mount, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Christian Pulisic. Now you could say Pedro and William, but obviously, or maybe not obviously, very, very most likely they're going to be leaving after this season. Um, and so having a more more veteran presence in Timo Werner, someone who has been very, very successful. Um, and like Carl mentioned, in a league that is actually very similar to the Premier League in terms of style and playing, things like that. Plus, if Tammy Abraham needs a break, whether it's rest or if, if he gets injured, Timo Werner can play as that number nine. I think he's best in a two-striker system or when he drifts out wide. If you look at him playing with Leipzig this year, his most prolific season by far, um, he's played very well playing off the shoulder of Yusuf Paulson as the defenders focus on him as a number nine, and that gives Timo Werner the ability to drift wherever he wants. He can drop back. He's able to link up play, and that's exactly what he's going to be able to do with Chelsea in this. So I think this is fantastic for Tammy Abraham. And I know right now people are wondering, oh, well, maybe he won't sign a new contract. He's the one uh, Chelsea youth product that hasn't so far. I don't think he really needs to worry about Timo Werner taking his job. I think it's more that they're going to be playing together and that they can uh, interchange, or well, Timo Werner can come in for him. You mentioned other teams that have struggled without another center forward. Well, that's the great thing about this is Timo Werner can play center forward. He has done it. It's not as if he would be filling in in the way that, you know, let's just take Spurs, Youngman Son has, or maybe uh, Steven Bergvine or something like that. Timo Werner wouldn't just be uh, playing there just for the game because they need somebody. He actually can play as a center forward, and he can play in a two-striker system, and he can play on the left wing cutting in. So his versatility, I think, is so key to, to this move and why I think uh, him and Chelsea are a great fit and, and he's going to be so successful uh, over the next however many seasons and hopefully he's going to extend his contract if, uh, when that time comes in a few years. Now, Carl, staying with Chelsea and they've made Leicester fullback Ben Chilwell as one of their main transfer targets for the summer. It could cost up to £85 million. So I guess the question here is where are Chelsea find all this money from all of a sudden? Yeah, I'd like to know. It's a bit sneaky, all this, isn't it, Ben, to be honest? You know, a little bit... Daddy little Roman, bit that's where. Daddy yeah. Roman. Yeah, no, like the rich kid in the sweet shop <laughs> buying everything at the moment, aren't they? You know, out of order. Leave some for the rest, Drew. Um, no, if they... No, you know, thank you. No, thank yeah. you. <laughs> Again, you can only assume if, if they if they can add him as well, you know, as, a, as their fullback, then what great signing that is because he's another player who's shining at the moment and, you know, another player that I think lots of clubs would be looking at. So if Chelsea can get the, the kind of still and get ahead with him, then, let's say, those three signings that they'll have made, legitimately, as we've said there, put them in a title race and the serious contenders for the title because that is brilliant business. Where are they finding the money from right now? Um, you can only assume maybe Roman's found that love affair with football again and, and wants to spend a little bit of money. And maybe he thinks this is the right time where he can kind of get a run on a few teams who might not be able to spend that sort of money and get Chelsea on top of the tree again. Well, this is it, I think. Fundamentally, Roman's back in love with the club because there's always a little bit of talk of the lack of visa meant he couldn't come into the country and then would he sell up due to, due to those circumstances. But all of a sudden, it's like, well, actually, I've sort of remembered why I bought this club and why I like it, and it's let's go again. 
And Joe, if you know, if I if I could add something, actually, yeah, sure. yeah. What, what I think is going on and, you know, this is not confirmed. I don't have any sources. This is just what I think is happening is Chelsea are trying to take advantage of the time and circumstances, the unique ones that we're in, because Timo Werner at um, what is it? Fifty five million pounds, I think it is something like that. Yeah. Um, Hakim Zayek at was it thirty three. I think what they're doing is with financial fair play restrictions or, or uh, those getting you know kind of scaled back over the next few years because of the lock uh, the uh, loss of revenue and things going on right now, uh, games behind closed doors. I think Chelsea are taking advantage of that so they can spend money without necessarily getting punished in the same way they would have you know eighteen months ago or why well, not uh, before the transfer ban that they had um, or in a few years from now. A lot of other teams I think are going to be balking at some certain price tags because of that as well. And Roman Abramovich is not scared of spending money. Plus, don't forget, Chelsea had that transfer ban, so money has kind of been saved up. Uh, they've earned money from selling Diego Costa, Alvaro Morata, um, Eden Hazard, Thibaut Cotat. So I think all of those together give Chelsea a lot of money in the bank, and Abramovich is not scared to reach into his own pocket, especially right now when a lot of other teams are. And so I think that's something that's kind of flying under the radar is Chelsea is able to take advantage of this unique opportunity with kind of suppressed um, transfer prices with other teams being a little nervous about spending money and daddy Roman Abramovich having very, very deep pockets. So I think all of those are combining for this uh, right now and that's kind of flying under the radar. Okay, Joe, I'll stay with you quickly. There's another link today. Kai Havertz. Now, is Daddy Roman ready to sanction that one as well, or is this one having to be tempered slightly? In terms of money, I think he would be able to to fund it, absolutely. What I would say is, though, is Chelsea, you know, if they're going to bring in three attackers with Zayek, um, Werner, and Havertz, you're pushing a lot of other players out the door. Maybe not necessarily Tammy Abraham, but Christian Pulisic, right, uh, who came in for a big fee a couple of seasons or about 18 months ago. Um, you're pushing him probably out the door, you know, to the to the bench at minimum. Callum Hudson Adoy, same thing. And I think actually part of the reason Chelsea is okay with pushing guys like that out is uh, Christian Pulisic is not Lampard signing, so he, you know, not his signing, not his concern. Callum Hudson Adoy put in a transfer request to go to Bayern Munich when Sari was the coach last season, and so I think maybe Frank Lampard. Club legend, one of the most loyal guys ever to Chelsea, may look at Callum Hudson Adoy and say, ah, you know, that's not that's not pretty loyal out of you. And that's something maybe I don't know him that he thinks is important. And so I think that could be a reason that Chelsea are okay with spending this amount of money on Kai Havertz, bringing in yet another attacking option. Um, kind of like we talked about before, Havertz is a second striker. Well, they already have that in Timo Werner. Um, you know, most teams don't really play a ten; they already have Hakim Ziyech. So I don't know how you're going to be able to balance keeping all three of those guys happy coming in new, plus Tammy Abraham um, and, and whatnot. So I think Chelsea, it's a good problem to have, bringing in all these attacking options. They certainly have the money and can take advantage of this opportunity. I just don't know if Havertz is the next best option uh, for, with what they've already done. Plus, I don't know how keen he is to come and not necessarily be a guaranteed starter. Yeah, I think Havertz might be just a step too far. But anyway, let's move to sunnier climbs and the Santiago Bernabeu. So, Cole, do you remember Paul Pogba? 
<laughs> just about. <laughs> he, 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 midfielder, isn't he? Yeah, Dan, I, I think. think yeah, I, I think remember so. when he last played. Yeah, so it's almost yeah. incredible that 89 million was the fee that took him to Manchester United four years ago. It seems as if he's in his ends and still keen to take the French international to Madrid. Can you see that move happening? And also, in today's market, what would that fee be? Um, can I see him going? I could see him leaving when you give the kind of, you know, circus that was surrounding him just before, obviously, you know, the virus broke out and that. Obviously, there were lots of rumours, weren't there, of grumblings in the background of the things that Solskjaer was saying and the way that United were maybe kind of questioning his injury and everything like that. Um, so... I wouldn't be surprised if you saw him leave because I think United could be a club looking to say, well, hold on, we we can sell this one guy and possibly, you know, we've been without him this long and we've coped okay. They've brought Fernandez in now. He's hit the ground running and seems to be a really good player. So I could understand if they want to strengthen, they might think, well, look, that's just sell this guy who's, who's really been a headache for us since he joined. Um, if we was to, you know, I, let's put it this way. You know, I still think you'd get around 80 million for him if someone does want him, you know, one of those big sides because he's a World Cup winner. You know, there is obviously a player there um, who can who can be good on his day. So I could see that sort of transfer happening. I could see it being around that money. And United may think that's a too good a proposition to turn down. A bit like the Coutinho with Liverpool. You know, they possibly could see an opportunity there to use that money and, and build the squad again and, and add some additional players. Um, and they could benefit more from that in the long run than keeping Pogba around, who, as we know, let's say the influence can, you know, can divide opinion, can't he? Um, so, yeah, for me, I could see that being some legs in that one. OK, Drew, let's go to the San Siro next, the blue and black variety, because it's reported that Arsenal's Alexander Lacazette could be a replacement for Lautaro Martinez if he goes on to Barcelona. So, a two-parter here. What's your take on Antonio Conte's business model of signing Premier League, not rejects, but that sort of fringe model of player? And also, more importantly, can Martinez be given the keys to the Camp Nou post-Messi? Yeah, so we'll start with the first one. I mean, you're right. It's very clear. Antonio Conte loves Premier League players, and that's why he's bringing them into Serie A. You could look at this and say, well, the Premier League is better, and that's why he's brought them in, because he thinks they, he uh, these guys make Inter better. Um, but I think if you look at it, he's looking at this as a good opportunity to buy someone, maybe not cheap, but fairly cheaper than he otherwise would have, um, especially, right, they had to shell out a lot of money to get Lukaku and Alexis Sanchez. Um, but I think you're looking at another two-strike partnership. Lukaku can combine with Lacazette in the same way that him and Martinez have done a very good job this year. So I think this can actually be a very good signing. And I think Antonio Conte is being pretty smart about this. There's a reason that the Premier League is considered, um, you know, the, the best league in the world, or at least one of. I think most people would say, the Premier League is certainly better than Serie A. Maybe Juventus can compete in the Premier League very well, but after that, the teams are going to be not finishing in the top four every single time. So it makes sense that he's targeting players in a better league, and if they're fringe players, like you said, he can get them most of the time at a pretty good price. And so I think that's why you see him doing this. Now, in terms of Lautaro Martinez, I think he's a good player, don't get me wrong. However... I don't think he's necessarily the best fit 
for Barcelona. Number one, I mean just price tag. If they now had to cut player salaries by, what was it, 70% or something that they did, you know, they don't have money for this, they don't have money for that. Well, how are they now going to go and spend $100 million plus on Lautaro Martinez? And it's not just the, you know, the, the transfer market fee. That is his release clause. That's how expensive it is. So I don't know if Barcelona really can PR-wise tell their fans, tell their team, tell everyone, well, we don't really have any money, and then go and drop $100 million, especially after they've already spent you know, a ton on Coutinho, Griezmann, Dembele. Plus, looking at Barcelona's recent track record, especially when it comes to attackers, again, those same three, Griezmann, uh, Coutinho, Dembele, none of them have worked out very, very well. I don't have any confidence that if they're targeting Lautaro Martinez, that he's now going to work out. It seems as if they have the same people making the same decisions. They're going to once again make a mistake. So I don't necessarily think he's going to be a great fit at Barcelona. Yeah, for me, I just think he looks like another expensive bus. Those three examples, the perfect examples that you've said, you just think they're making the same mistakes in terms of top-tier recruitment. And I do fear that I guess the new Messi is the wrong title to have, but there is going to be that expectation with him also being Argentinian. And you just think he's almost sort of set up to fail. But, you know, Barcelona, they're a big club. They'll always get someone else, but they can't keep making these same mistakes once over. You know, it's just mind-boggling the amount of money that's going in that direction. But anyway, Cole, Arsenal, they're set to keep captain Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang until the end of his contract, which is 2021. That is, if they don't receive a bid of more than £20 million this summer. So I guess there's a sense that they're prepared to let this one ride out and just get as much use of him as they can. That said, should they be cashing in? Yeah, diff- difficult one this, isn't it? Because, um, I, you know, for me, obviously, if you're an Arsenal fan, you probably want to keep Aubameyang because, you know, he is obviously their main their main threat for goals. And he is the sort of player that if you're looking to get into the top four and say, you know, even within kind of a title race, then you'll need him and his goals up top for you. So if you couldn't see, you know, if you get rid of him, then you've got to spend a lot of money to kind of bring in a replacement as good as him. 20 mil isn't the biggest sum of money in the world, is it? You know, again, if they were looking at, you could say someone was offering them 60 to 70 mil, they might think, oh, yeah, okay. But 20 mil, I think they'd prefer to try and ride it out and keep him as long as they can. And even if that means he won't sign a new contract, well, let's use him until the day he actually goes because he could be the player that gets us into the Champions League again and, you know, kicks off kind of, say, maybe the restart of the Arsenal project. Um, does he want to stay? Different question. Again, I think a lot of that will depend on if they can qualify for the Champions League. If they don't, then maybe you could see him, you know, maybe push him for a move. But I think as far as Arsenal are concerned, they'll want him to stay until right till the very death. Carl, I'll stay with you because I've got another one. It's a bit of a strange one. It's Matty Longstaff being linked with Udinese. A bit of a bumper deal. He's earning at £850 at the moment. Could be thirty grand a week for the Serie A club. However, if you sort of look further between the lines, is there a sense that he could just end up parked at either Watford or Granada due to the way that the three clubs operate within their business model? Yeah, you wouldn't be surprised, would you? As you said, the way, the way those three clubs kind of operate, I wouldn't be surprised. To be honest, I don't see that. I don't see that one happening. I, I think he'll probably stay where he is. But again. I wouldn't rule that out because those three clubs, I, I don't even think those three clubs could tell you how they operate, Dan, to be fair. <laughs> if you ask them right now. So us, us maybe trying to guess is never going to happen. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. So we'll move on quickly. So, Drew, you mentioned Usman Dembele. 
how do we solve his problem? Because he has been a bust, there's no doubt about that. I know injuries have played a massive part, but for the fee that was outlaid, it's not been what Barcelona would have expected. That said, Juventus have approached him with a potential loan deal. Could you see that one reigniting his career? You know, I he, the problem with Dembele, it's not the talent, right? He had one good season at Dortmund. Um, he's quick. He is a, a pretty good finisher, but he's had a lot of injury issues. And his head is just not in the right place. He shows up late to meetings. He gets fined all the time for being a bad apple in the bunch. If he could get his head on straight, which it seems like he can't or possibly won't, then it doesn't matter where he goes. He can go to any league he wants, and it's it's not going to matter because if his head's not on straight, he's never going to play well on the pitch. So for Juventus, I don't really know where he's going to fit in because obviously you have uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, he plays on the left, but you have Paulo Dybala. Maybe he's going to leave. I know there was talk of it last season to Spurs and different things. Um, they have Bernadeschi, who has played a lot under Sarri, uh, sometimes out wide right or even as a number 10 kind of in behind um, the front two. And so that's the thing with Dembele. Where does he fit? I don't think he fits Sorry Ball. I don't know if he's going to you know, want to play as fast as Sorry wants. So I don't know if he's a really good fit there. Plus, again, with all of his off-pitch issues, to me, Dembele is kind of he, – he, he he's a black hole that just takes up money and just sucks you dry all day every single year. And I don't think Juventus is going to be able to recoup any investment if they – either get him on loan or buy him. And I don't think Barcelona will either. I think it's very difficult to see any big club taking a chance on him. If Barcelona want to get rid of him, they're going to have to take a big loss on his um, on his transfer. And they're probably going to have to sell him to a team not in the upper echelons, not somebody who is going for a, you know, a Champions League title or anything like that. They're going to have to sell to somebody in kind of that second tier of teams that fights for the top four, uh, at best, maybe, maybe they're in for a league title in their respective country. But the super clubs, I don't think anyone takes a chance on Dembele. I think you just described Tottenham. So that's that's fine. We'll have <laughs> Carl, would you be happy with this man, Dembele? Oh, that's, a, that's a real interesting <laughs> one, isn't it, Dan? Um, I, from what I've seen of him, you know, the times I have seen him play, you can see there's definitely a player in there who, on his day could, you know, could be scary. Um, I just wonder sometimes whether that's sort of a similar player to what we've got right now. You know, he's too inconsistent. You know, we've got someone like Mora at the moment who, again, on his day can suddenly be brilliant, but that day doesn't come around often enough. And I guess that would be the fear with someone like him and the money you're going to look at paying. I'm not sure if I'd be prepared to take a punt on someone so inconsistent. Yeah, the last thing you want to be doing is spending big money on a one-in-five player. Like you say, we've got enough of those, and I think we need to be looking at one-in-two, one-in-three players to move up that next next stage. So, unfortunately, as good as Dembele may be, or the potential that he could still unleash, I don't think it would work for Spurs. But, Carl, I'll stay with you, because talking of loans, what can the talented Harry Wilson do at Liverpool? There's such a logjam of talent at Anfield that, obviously, he's at Bournemouth on loan at the moment. Could it be finally time for him to fold in terms of his Anfield career? I believe Leeds are interested, which... When you consider that they probably will get out of the championship, that could be a good permanent move. Yeah, I, I, I can see the trouble that he's got, isn't he? Is that I don't think he gets in that Liverpool side regularly. 
possibly for the next couple of seasons. Um, and the problem you've got there is, does he really want to be going out on loan every year to a new club to try and make a name for himself? There's clearly He's clearly a decent player. We know that. We can see it. Deadly from a set piece as well. You know, you get a set piece around the box, you want him in your side because he's brilliant. Um, I just think we may find his career could probably be kick-started better by maybe making a move somewhere else to begin with where he's going to get regular game time and can kind of settle for a couple of seasons. And then I think, again, if he you know fulfills the potential that we're seeing, a big move again would be on the cards. And you know you wouldn't even be surprised if he went back to Liverpool again at that point because you know he's made a name for himself. But I just think right now, if I was him... I'd maybe give it, say, another season on loan somewhere and then see where you stand in terms of, you know, an honest chat with Jürgen and see, well, look, am I actually in your plans? But if not, I wouldn't, you know, if I was him, I wouldn't waste too much time hoping that Liverpool's there. I'd get a move and start trying to make my name somewhere else. Well, Drew, it would not be a transfer summer saga without Neymar and PSG. So they're now saying that they want £156 million in cash, I don't think literally in a big wad of cash, but they want it in cash from Barcelona. Surely no one's paying that fee this summer. This is just another example of transfer rumours that you can't really believe. <laughs> I don't think there's any way that Barcelona have the money, right? We already talked about how how do they have the money for Lautaro Martinez. Well, how are they going to have the money to buy Neymar? He's even more expensive. How are they going to have the money to buy both, right? One of the issues with uh, Neymar was is either last I believe it was last season going back to Barcelona was Barcelona wanted to pay in installments and PSG said absolutely not you're going to pay us up front and they want the same thing so if that was a problem then it's definitely going to be a problem now with suppressed revenue because of the coronavirus and everything that's gone on so there's no way Barcelona are going to have the money in cash in order to do this that's the first thing the second thing here for PSG you know, I actually think they've kind of gotten the right pieces and they, they've improved steadily, right? Uh, the way they came back against Dortmund in the Champions League before the, the stoppage and everything. Neymar this year, Mauro Icardi, who they now have uh, permanently. I think Icardi is one of the most underrated strikers in the world. I know he has his off-pitch problems, so, so I get that. Um, but Neymar, Mbappe, if they can keep Mbappe for another year or two, the two of them plus Icardi, I think is, is, is a phenomenal front three. And I actually think... They should give them, you know, one more year to try and figure this out and see if they can get the holy grail of the Champions League. I think money is going to be a big issue for for the deal. I think Neymar is settling in a little bit. I know he's have a lot of issues with the fans and whatnot, but I actually think this is PSG's one last chance with Neymar. So I don't think they should sell him. I think they should keep him and try to go after the Champions League one more time. Because this year, right, if they win it, there probably is always going to be an, an asterisk, maybe not officially, but because of what's happened, the way that they might change the Champions League. Um, and I think for them, they would probably want to do it, you know, quote, the right way um, by winning the Champions League through a, uh, a regular campaign and a regular season. So I don't see this deal happening this year. But of course, it sells papers and it gets people's eyeballs on the on the screen, on their website. So it makes sense that you're seeing a lot of talk about this again. Okay, let's stay with Neymar, Cole. For the money that he either commands in transfer fees or is linked with, where do you put him in today's hierarchy of great footballers? Is he a world-class talent? Is he overinflated? Do people look down on him because he plays in League 1? What's your take? 
I, I think he is up there. You know, I mean, when when you know that that season where you know Barcelona had him, Messi, Suarez, you know, that was fearsome, wasn't it? And, and Neymar played as big a part in that success uh, as the other two. You know, he was. You know, when he's on fire, he is one of the best players in the world. There's no doubt about it. I think again, the, the problem he has is a bit like the same with Pogba. There's outside interests which I think kind of possibly take their eye off the ball a little bit too much um, and and create this little circus that you kind of think, I think that's something where people go, mm, I don't put him in the very top. You know, he's not... You know, he's not in the very top because of the circus that follows him. But then, in my eyes, I would probably stick him down as maybe the third or fourth best footballer in the world right now. You know, you've got Messi, Ronaldo. Then I think that you could sit there and say, well, he is in the next bracket there of top players. Um, I just think he probably needs to get out of the press for kind of the wrong reasons and maybe mainly more for the football reasons. I do think there is an element of sitting there saying, well, he went to a league where, you know, anyone could succeed there in that PSG side. So, again, maybe, you know, a move again back to Spain or even, you know, a big move to the Premier League. Um, and, and he starts to do it at a club in the Premier League, people, I think, again, will remember how good he is. But he is up there. And I think, uh, you know, after Messi and Ronaldo, you know, he is going to be one of the next names you look at or think of in terms of class footballers. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I think a top five footballer in today's climate, I think that's where he positioned Neymar. This one, Carl, he's not quite top five. He's probably not even 505. It's Lyle Taylor of Charlton. Now, he, <laughs> now he said that he's not prepared to play for Charlton due to this current climate. Also, Galatasaray are supposedly interested in signing him. So you can sort of understand that if there is a big move pending, he doesn't really want to injure himself in this sort of grey area of contractual obligation. Yeah, I think there's probably a few players like that, isn't there, Dan, who are probably out there right now thinking, well, hold on a minute, you know, I am due to be coming up here um, and now I'm about to play. And as you say, one one big or reasonable injury could kind of scupper any future moves. Um, so I can understand those players who are possibly at this moment thinking, oh, do I really want to play? But then at the same time, you know, for me, when when a player who is still contractually obliged to his club refuses to play, I think that makes you start questioning the mentality of that player as a whole, doesn't it? And you, and then you, you suddenly start to lose any kind of sympathy for that guy because you could just say, listen, just get on with it. You know, right now you're contracted to Charlton, so play your games um, and, and the move will come. But I suppose, you know, those who are putting themselves in a player's position and looking at their future and their future earnings could say, well, no, you know, I can purely see why this guy doesn't want to risk it um, and I can understand what he's doing. But from a supporter's point of view, you know, you'll lose any any respect or any sympathy from any supporter once you refuse to play. OK, Drew, let's hot-foot it to Old Trafford now because Oli Gunnar Solskjaer has got a bit of a surplus on his hands, but he's struggling to get rid of it. Names such as Marcus Rojo, Chris Smalling, Alexis Sanchez, they all want to be off the books, but, you know, obviously coronavirus and all that has impacted the market massively so it's a bad situation for Manchester United but also you'd imagine a bad situation for many other clubs yeah so here's the thing with Manchester United right and it's not my money so it's it's easy for me to say um, but I think because of the situation we're in all these surplus right which is an understatement like you mentioned players 
you might just have to accept a lower price to get them off the books, right? Smalling, Sanchez, uh, Rojo, if they're not in your plans and they're aging players, what's the point of keeping them, right? I, again, it's not my money, but it might be better and easier and less of a headache to let them go now for a cut price. I understand Manchester United probably want to get more in revenue for them. I get it. But that's just not the world we live in right now. And is it really worth it to keep them on the books for another year to help salvage another three million pounds or something like that? To me, it's not. It's probably not worth the headache or anything like that. Again, it's not my money. It's easy for, for me to say to for them to take less money. I get that. But if they're not in your plans for the immediate future, there's no point in having them weigh down the books with uh, their wages, whether it's they're on loan now or you know they're just on the bench and not playing. There's really no point to have them around. So if I was Manchester United, I would let these guys go to any for any potential suitors because again, right now with the situation we're in with you know uh, suppressed revenue and things like that, suppressed uh, budgets for transfers, you might just have to take whatever it is you can get because. This year, maybe you have only one suitor for each of these players. Well, next year, you may not have any, right? So that's a possibility as well. So if I'm United, I let these guys go for whatever price I can get for them, right? Smalling, Rojo, Sanchez, whoever it is. Again, it's not my money. Easy for me to say. But I think the best decision, since they're not in the plans for Solskjaer and United, is to just cut bait right now. So, Carl, we spoke about Ben Chilwell leaving Leicester. Should that be the case, Arsenal may be prepared to sell Kieran Tierney. Now, he's only been at the Emirates for 12 months, plagued by injuries. You have to remember, he's already worked with Brendan Rodgers at Celtic. So this could be quite a strong rumour, couldn't it? Yeah, I think so, Dan. You know, I mean, as you say, he obviously, you know, the, this move to Arsenal has been a bit of disaster all round, hasn't it? You know, him for injuries, not his, you know, no game time. They had high hopes for him coming in, didn't they? You know, I remember them being very um, confident after signing him. But if it's not worked out, then... Like, as you say, I think, you know, Brendan will sit and go, well, I know there's a player there. I know how to get the best out of him. You know, they'll obviously, if they get the sort of money you're looking at for Chilwell, they can get him and then some. Um, so for me, I think that that could be a real no-brainer if that Chilwell move happens, definitely. And Drew, staying in North London, the white half now, Jan Vertonghen, he's got a decision to make. It looks like he's going to leave the club. So his decision, similar to Lyle Taylor, is do I go when I'm legally allowed to go or do I do a short-term deal? Now, I know Adam Lallana's just signed a short-term deal about a couple of hours ago. Can you see Jan doing the same? Yeah, I, I think he would because a short-term deal, I don't think really you know ruins his chances of playing somewhere else next season. Obviously, I mean, there, there's always a, a, you know, a possibility of injury and things like that. Um, but I would say for him, he probably has been one of the better defenders for Tottenham this season, uh, as as you guys know very well, right? It hasn't been the best of seasons for Spurs, and their back line hasn't been great at all. Plus, he's versatile, so I think Mourinho and Spurs are going to want him to continue playing for them um, until the remainder of the season. And I think also, for him, he he's good enough. I don't think him holding out is going to get him a bigger deal anywhere else or anything like that. I mean, at his age... He's going to get the deal he's going to get. The only reason to not extend for a month or whatever it is is because of a possible injury. But if that's the way that you're thinking with your head, then I think that increases your your chances of it. So if I'm Vertonghen, I definitely sign a, a short-term deal 
And come, you know, whenever the transfer window opens, I think he's still going to have potential suitors out there. I don't think they're going to be any more worried about him because he played this extra month or whatever it is. So if I'm him, definitely I sign that short-term deal. Okay, Cole, let's discuss Adrian Rabiot now. He's targeted by both Everton and Arsenal, but he's not prepared to take a wage cut to move to the Premier League. Do you think either club can get him? And also, when you have to consider that he's moved to Juve, wasn't really a smart choice. And I guess this is what happens when you let your mum be your agent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... You know, when mum's doing the business, you might not always know who's what's best for you. It might be better off sticking with someone who's in the know a little bit. Um, he seems trouble to me, this guy. You know, I you know, I don't like what I hear about him. Um, the money he's going to command, I don't really see a player in there that I'd want that to want to spend that sort of money on. Um so for me, I don't think Arsenal or Everton possibly touch him. And I think he, yeah, he might look elsewhere um, for a move. Um, but I'd stay well away because, you know, the last thing you need is someone's angry mum coming down the training ground and having a pop because you're not playing her fun. <laughs> it's a very good point. Talking of trouble, that's also a label that Jack Grealish sometimes gets through. So he's been prioritised supposedly by Manchester United. I guess a deal may hinge on whether Villa get relegated. But even if they didn't, could you see the 24-year-old moving on this summer? I think definitely Jack Grealish is too good for Aston Villa. I'm, I'm sure that hurts Villa fans to say, but I think they would admit that. Uh, you know, Deep in their heart of hearts, they know that he is too good for the club where they are at this point. Here's something I would be really interested to see with Grealish. Is at Aston Villa, he has been the guy, and he has had to be the guy. And I think at times you see he's a little bit selfish. He should... Uh, play the extra pass, but he doesn't. He shouldn't shoot from wherever he is, but he does. Now, is it a lack of trust in his teammates, or is it just he he's the man and he's going to do what he wants? He's supposed to be the guy that's leading the team. So I'm actually interested to see when he goes, to, or if he goes to Manchester United or, or whichever bigger club it is, is he going to struggle because he's going to be a little bit too selfish when he has other quality players around him, or is he going to thrive because all that pressure is taking off his shoulders? I would actually be really interested to see how that plays out because I think week in, week out, you see he has the talent. He has the ability to be a player in or, you know, for, for one of the top six, maybe not with the squads they have right now, Liverpool or City, um, just because they're, they're already as incredible as they are. But he definitely has that top tier talent in the Premier League. So, again, I'd be interested to see how he does with other players around him when he doesn't have to be the one and only guy that has to drag the 11 to victory week in, week out. So that is something I, I would be watching out for because of that. I want to see him go to United or go to um, another team that's battling for, for a top four spot and see how he does in that situation. Cole, do you think the Jack Grealish Tottenham ship has finally sailed? Yeah, I think we had our chance, didn't we, mate, um, yeah. a season or so ago. And, and to be honest, you know, difficult one, wasn't it? Because when it's mentioned, you know, he, he hadn't become the player he has this season for Villa. And you were still sitting there thinking, oh, I don't know, is he the player we need right now? But it looks like we probably missed a chance to get a really good signing at that price. And uh, now for me, yeah, I, 
when you consider the form we're in, might not make Champions League football. I think you know the suitors that will come his way and offer him deals will probably be able to blow us out of the water um, in terms of financially and offer him, you know, definitely Champions League football. So yeah, we've missed the boat there, unfortunately. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that one. So Drew, Bayern Munich, they seem to be eyeing up a long-term target. That man being Leroy Sane. If they get that one over the line, does German dominance slip to? Cons- Look set to continue even further. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we talked about it not too long ago when Bayern played Dortmund. Um, you know, for, for myself included, I continue to to give Dortmund, you know, my belief. I, I, I continue to think they're going to be able to do it, and they simply don't. They fail every single time, right? You guys saw it when they played Spurs in the Champions League. Was it last season or two seasons ago? Um, so I have no faith that any of these clubs are going to catch up to Bayern, especially when you look at Leipzig. Since the restart, they've fallen off as well, right? So absolutely, Leroy Sané only makes Bayern Munich that much better. Um, you know, they already have Kingsley Coman, Serge Gnabry. So where does Sané fit? Maybe one of them leaves. Fine, but this absolutely strengthens them. Plus, don't forget because he's been injured. Well, he's had plenty of rest. Um, obviously, how does he? How well does he play coming back from injury? Is is the thing, um, but yeah, he is a great player. He's he became such a better finisher and player under Pep at Man City, and so if and when he takes those skills to Bayern Munich, it just makes them that much better. They're already a Champions League favorite this year. I mean, I think even before the coronavirus stoppage, and adding Sane only makes them that much better and increases the likelihood that they uh, dominate the league or continue to, and then that they go for Champions League title or Champions League trophies, you know, more than just this year, next year, and the next few as well. So he makes them a lot better. Yeah, I'm on, of the opinion that I think Bayern Munich could create a bit of a dynasty in this team because, you know, you talk of great Barcelona teams, great Real Madrid teams. I think those cycles have concluded and they're not in transition, but they're not at their peak of their powers. I think this is the perfect landscape for Bayern to rule the roost for a number of years. So, Europe, you have been warned. Carl, Everton, they're ready to make a move for Thiago Silva. 35 years old, he's going to command quite a hefty wage, but if Everton are prepared to take a punt, he'd certainly be an asset for a season or two, wouldn't he? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we, we spoke about him last night, didn't we, Dan, on our Spurs pod, saying that, you know, there's a player who, you know, could be a great addition to a squad just for even if it's just for a season or two and I think you know he is the sort of signing that Everton would look to because you know he brings with it the name doesn't he and the kind of reputation um it it would get you excited you also know that even if he doesn't play week in week out the experience he'll bring to a squad um and kind of the lessons that people can learn off of a player like that, then for me, I don't think necessarily that's a bad move to go for, for even just a couple of seasons. And I'd be more than happy if Spurs were looking at bringing him in, bit of experience, bit of know-how, and, you know, maybe can bring on the next generation. So I'd think that'd be a great move for Everton. Yeah, I mean, from a Spurs point of view, if Jan did move on, if, and that was the replacement, I don't think you'd have any arguments for a season. You know, senior pro, guiding someone like Tanganga, be the perfect mentor. So hopefully there's scope for we can beat Everton to the uh, to race on that one. Drew, let's go to Norwich now. Max Ahrens, he's been linked with Arsenal, but they're not willing to pay £30 million. He's also been linked with Tottenham. Is now the time for him to make the step up to a bigger club? Yeah, absolutely. I think Aaron, Max Ahrens has had a, a fantastic season this year at Norwich, he's played practically every game. 
barring I think it was maybe two or three in the beginning of the year because of injury. Um, but he is kind of in that new breed of right and left backs. I'm not saying he's he's one of the best in the world, but in that they they have to be very good attacking wise, right? He is a good passer. He can dribble with the ball at his feet. Um, he's not the best of, of of crossers, but I mean that that can improve in the coming years. But I think he would be a very, very good pickup for a lot of teams at right back. Plus, at only 20 years old, he's very young. And even another plus is I think he's a better defender than a lot of the right and left backs that you see now. Right, A lot of them are always praised for their attacking prowess. It's always about how good they are going forward. And while Max Aarons, maybe he's not there quite yet, defensively, I don't think he's really lagging in any of those categories. So that's what I think is a big advantage for him. And especially if Norwich go down, I think he can be a pretty good addition for Arsenal. Not sure he necessarily goes and starts right away. Um, but with as bad as Arsenal's defense has been this year, um, Hector Bellerin is getting up there in age, right? He's also had his injury issues. So I think this can be a very good pickup for Arsenal or for a lot of other teams. And again, like you said, for Aaron's, it's probably time he leave Norwich and take that next step up. Cole, you get the final rotation of the rumour mill on this show. It's West Ham. It's Mitchie Batshuayi. He's always been surplus to requirements at Stamford Bridge, no matter who the manager. Could this be quite the capture for the East London outfit? Yeah, he's never been able to kind of nail down a, a place at Chelsea, is he, and, and get regular games. So you kind of think he definitely needs to move on to kind of progress his career. Um, West Ham, that's... a. Uh, you know, it would, for them, it would be a great signing, I think, and someone that, you know, they probably need someone who could possibly bring his goals because they're another side that seem to buy strikers and it never quite works. So the fact that he's got that sort of prem-proven ability and knows the league, I think would be a great signing for them. Not so sure I see it coming off. I think he'll have suitors elsewhere that might he might prefer the destination um, rather than, you know, obviously being watched by people with binoculars every week to try and see what's happening. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can see him, I can see him moving, but I don't think West Ham will be able to capture him. And Drew, to finish off in MLS corner, what's the latest on the potential lockout in lockdown? Well, thankfully, there was no lockout yes. last week. Yeah. Oh, believe me, I, I, I was one of the most excited people about this as well. MLS, uh, the league, the owners and the players and the union were able to reach an agreement, which I think is good, because as we talked about, a lockout would have benefited absolutely nobody. Um, some of the details, I won't go into everything, um, but I think the players actually had a pretty big victory in this at the last moment. Originally, when the when the uh, stoppage started for the coronavirus, MLS proposed, um, I want to say the highest they proposed was a 50% pay cut for players. Uh, there was talk of 20%. Well, they agreed on, depending on which source you read and how you do the numbers, 5% or 7.5%, again, depending on how you do the numbers. So, I mean, from 50% or 20% down to 5 that is a huge win for the players. Um the league wanted to insert a force majeure clause, which they could cancel the CBA, and it was tied to uh, attendance dropping. Well, they amended that, which the players wanted, and now it's just a normal force majeure clause, which um, would be like any other sport here in the U.S. Basically, either party can pull out because of unforeseen circumstances, like a coronavirus stoppage. But again, the part about tying it to the attendance falling or anything like that, 
the players won. They got what they wanted. So I think if you look at this, there are a lot of things that the players actually got a better, maybe not a better deal, but got more of their wishes. Uh, one other thing was the players, a lot of them, and we talked about this, you know, they don't make a lot of money in MLS. So can they really get locked out? Can they afford to not get paychecks? Well, something they agreed upon was in the short term, they're keeping a lot of their money, right? Only a 5% cut. Uh, but longer term, they're going to have less money available in terms of bonuses and the way that salary caps are, are divvied up for, or not salary caps, but um, uh, the the amount of revenue is, is divvied up for salaries and things like that and allocated for it. That also is helping the players in the short term, which they need at the expense of the long term. So again, I actually think the players got a pretty good deal here uh, in general, even though a lot of them are going to have already come out and said that, you know, this is awful. The league was bullying them and things like that. I just don't think that's the case. I'm glad it got done. And the most important part is that with the deal or with the CBA being agreed to, now MLS and the players have ratified and okayed the Orlando tournament, which is going to take place. There aren't many details out right now, but there are a few more. Um, they're going to be playing or teams are going to report uh, at the end of this month and then some of them later in July if they are able to train in their home markets. They're going to do it kind of World Cup style. They're going to have groups three group stages, uh, games, and then knockouts. Also, right now, the winner is proposed to get a CONCACAF Champions League spot. And also, th this this isn't for sure yet, but there's going to be a purse of, I believe it's either, uh, I believe it's a million dollars, or maybe it was five, was a different report I read. Um, it's not saying all that money is going to go to the winners, but depending on, just like tournaments now, the farther you get, the more money you make in bonuses. So I think this is great that the league was able to avoid a first lockout in its history. The players and them were able to agree on a deal. They don't have to worry about the CBA again for the next few seasons. And soccer is coming back to uh, MLS. So I think this is fantastic. I'm happy they were able to get a deal done because I think, again, the lockout would have benefited absolutely nobody. And this is very good for MLS that they're going to have soccer back in some capacity uh, later on this year. Fantastic news. Add them to the list of leagues that are going to restart very soon, which brings us to next week's show, because next week we're going to do a preview show, which we don't usually do because we always sort of look back, but obviously we're nearly there, so why not? We've got 12 matches across, I don't know, a few days, that Wednesday up to, to Monday, so we're going to go through them all, game by game, and then that's, that'll be your show. So this week's been transfers, next week's a preview, the following week a review, and then we're finally back in the groove. Right, so just need to do a bit of admin. Need to thank my two co-hosts. Fantastic work today in the rumour mill. You've worked very hard. So, Drew, sterling work as always, mate. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on, uh, Dan. Appreciate it. Love talking transfers, right? Because like you said before, we're kind of scraping the bottom of the <laughs> barrel in terms of things to talk about. But I think transfer rumours are always fun. There's always excitement for for fans and listeners for potential deals that their team could get you know potential 11s and everything like that so it was great fun i enjoyed it and happy to talk to you and carl once again cheers buddy and carl we've got this one out of the way we're a step closer to football coming back yeah we have i love drew's enthusiasm there as someone who's talking when his club have actually signed a couple of real world-class players <laughs> us, us Spurs fans, the, Truman, the, the transfer room and it was never that exciting but no i really enjoyed it today and talking to you guys and i'm i'm so happy that drew's so happy <laughs> fantastic thank right. you okay with that said it just leaves me to say that my name's dan tracy this is the real football cast and until next time Goodbye.
Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.